Thank you, David. That is the most important thing that can happen in church, is reading and hearing scripture, letting God speak for himself. Or I should say inviting God to speak for himself. Would you please pray with me? Lord Jesus, word of God, speak to us. For you alone have and speak the words of truth and hope in spirit and grace. That we must hear and respond to. We know that this is only possible with your help, the working of your spirit both outside and inside of us. This is beyond our understanding, impossible to fully grasp, for like the wind, your spirit moves where he wishes. But thankfully, your words are in our hands, words that we know go forth from your mouth that will not return to you empty, but will successfully accomplish what you desire. Because your words are living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. Words that you say, if we read, hear, and heed, we will be blessed by. Lord, this promise is why we are here, you and your word. Please bless us all here at Church of the Canyons with the desire to read, hear, and heed. That is, apply, live your words faithfully, Lord. And if there's anyone here today who has not accepted your invitation into your kingdom on your terms, please do in them the work that only you can. Stir their hearts to true repentance this moment, Lord, that they would turn to you and receive you as their Lord and Savior. If someone here needs to do this, I pray they do. It's in your name the great amen, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Listen to what God's word tells us. In Matthew 4, 1 through 11. And please purpose to picture this narrative, this marvelously true story in your mind. In fact, silently pray within yourself right now for the focus to do so. These are the words of God. Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him into the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and on their hands, they will bear you up so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, on the other hand, it is written, 
You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory and said to him, all these things I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, go Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left. Why did I just share this scripture? Think about it. The temptation of Jesus. After all, we are currently studying the book of John. Specifically, we are in chapter 4, verses 43 through 54, where Jesus makes it clear that our belief must be grounded in his words, not just signs. Well, Hebrews 4.15 tells us, so that Jesus could assume his role as our high priest, that is the ultimate one, our only intercession that we would ever need to have complete access and relations with the Father, Jesus had to be tempted in all things so that he, fully God, but also fully man, could fully relate to us in all things. With this considered, I could not help but think about and thus connect the narrative detailing his temptations in the wilderness with the devil to part of our scripture for today, where Jesus says in John 4:48, unless you see signs and wonders, you simply will not believe. Jesus, fully God, but also fully man, knows how men think, feel, and desire because he's been there. Men are prone to pride, arguably the sin of all sins, and we are drawn like magnets to steel to what appeals to our eyes, things we can see. 1 John 16, 1 John 1, 16, sums up the lust of the flesh as being our eyes and pride. The devil knows this. Genesis 3 describes Satan as more crafty than any beast in the field. And because of Matthew 24, 24, and Mark 13, 22, we're even warned that false Christs and prophets will arise showing signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, Scripture warns, even the elect. What a reminder of the importance of humility and to employ Scripture as our lens to discern everything. And no one knows this better than Jesus because Jesus has been tempted in all things. First, the devil, knowing he's speaking to the Son of God in the form of man, tries to take advantage of the humanity of Christ's vulnerability as a man to pride, chiding his hunger to turn stones into bread for no other reason but to showcase his abilities as God on demand. But Jesus, Philippians 2, 6 through 8, tells us, while in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself to become a bondservant, born in the form of man, in obedience to the Father. Jesus would not perform signs and wonders for any reason outside of the Father's plan. And scripture tells us what exactly that is. John eleven four explains that signs are for the glory of God so that the Son of God 
may be glorified in it. Not only does Jesus, the word of God in the flesh, when tempted by Satan, lean on scripture for strength, but he also demonstrates his priority as the word of God being the word of God, which made clear to the devil and anyone reading scripture, his word is the bread of life. Stating no less than three times while engaging the devil, it is written. As the devil tried to tempt Jesus, not only does Jesus exemplify for us the lifeline that is leaning on scripture to maintain our humility and commitment to God, but he also exemplifies for us how to employ scripture to discern, reject, and respond to the devil's signs. Amazing signs. And while we can only speculate about how Jesus, having not eaten for 40 days and 40 nights, and being in the wilderness, travels with the devil to the top of a temple, and then to a very high mountain that provided a view of all the kingdoms of the world and their glory, it's interesting to think about. Regardless, however, of exactly how it happened, we know Jesus saw dazzling signs. Signs that while tempting to his humanity, he discerned and rejected using scripture alone. The word of God, which keep in mind, is the title Jesus has given in the very first book, chapter, first verse of the book we are currently studying, the book of John. He responded to the devil, the word of God, with the word of God. Think about that for a moment. The word of God responded with the word of God. With this considered, doesn't it make so much sense that the word of God wants our focus to be the word of God? Just as our pastor last week said, it's always because of his word. Immediately the devil left. Jesus went on to begin his earthly ministry, his preaching beginning with the words, which Matthew 4.17 tells us are, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Mark 1.15 records him saying at this time, repent and believe in the gospel. The devil arguably tried to win Jesus' allegiance with signs. Jesus, the man who is also God, fought any temptation to place his faith in something finite and superficial and makes it clear to us that it is faith in his words alone that result in complete and true belief. Listen and believe what his words say in John 3, through 36. He who has received his testimony and has set his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. And he gives the spirit without measure. The father loves the son and has given all things into his hand. He who believes in the son has eternal life. Truly believing, responding to the words of Christ results in blessed assurance. And our scripture for this morning, John 4, 43 through 54, the word of God makes clear that it's not signs and wonders, but only belief in his words that produce real faith, resulting 
and blessed assurance. Please turn in your Bibles to John 4 and follow along as I read verses 43 through 48. After two days, he went forth from there into Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. So he came to Galilee. The Galileans received him, having seen all the things that he did in Jerusalem at the feast. For they themselves went to the feast. Therefore, he came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And there was a royal official whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and was imploring him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you simply will not believe. To begin here, why is Galilee so important? Because it helps us connect the dots of scripture and thus the absolute truth of prophecy fulfilled. In John 1:46, Nathaniel, with clear contempt, asked the question, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nazareth is in Galilee, which Isaiah 9, 1 through 2, calls the Galilee of the Gentiles. And here Isaiah also tells us, listen to this, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in the dark land, the light will shine on them. Later, Isaiah 65 quotes our sovereign God as directly saying, I permitted myself to be sought by those who did not ask for me. I permitted myself to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here I am, here I am to a nation which did not call on my name. Luke 4.16 tells us that Jesus' first sermon was preached in a synagogue in Galilee. In Matthew 4.18, we learn that Jesus called his disciples from Galilee. And in Galilee, John 2.11 tells us Jesus performed his first miracle, water to wine. And because of Matthew 4, 13 through 17, we know Jesus at one time lived in Galilee so that he could preach to those sitting in darkness to repent, just as Isaiah prophesied approximately 700 years earlier. Therefore, noting I'm borrowing the word therefore from verse 46, doesn't it make so much sense that Jesus would return and grant the Galileans even more of his light? more of his grace. Upon his return to Galilee, Jesus was approached by a royal official from Capernaum. Interesting to note, Capernaum is the town in Galilee where Jesus was living when he actually started preaching his ministry, speaking the gospel. Clearly aware of exactly who Jesus is, the royal official went to Jesus, imploring him to come down and save his son. Jesus, as if testing the man, says, unless you people see signs and wonders, you simply will not believe. Signs and wonders. Signs and wonders do not produce faith. 
Remember John 2, 23 through 25 from a few months ago. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name, observing his signs, which he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, was not entrusting himself to them. For he knew all men, and because he did not need anyone to testify concerning man, for he himself knew what was in man. Jesus sees into the hearts of all men and knows whose belief is in him the word of God or belief that is limited to signs and wonders observed that are actually intended for the glory of God. While true signs and wonders glorify and point to God, they are not the source of lasting belief. Scripture even makes it clear that even with signs and wonders, people will fail to believe because signs and wonders do not produce faith. That only God with his words can produce. No scripture makes this more clear than Acts 2, 22 through 23. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus, the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs, which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know, this man delivered over by predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross. The crucifiers of Christ saw his miracles, his wonders, and his signs. Not only are signs and wonders not where salvation comes from, but we have a sovereign God who is working a predetermined, foreknown plan for his good and perfect purpose. Or, as Ephesians 1.5 states, according to the kind intention of his will. His words, not mine. How does it work? To quote our pastor's humble words from last week, I have no idea. But that's what makes it faith. Not just believing in what we cannot see, but also what we cannot fully understand. Proverbs 25.2 tells us, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter. He's God. And we're not. We are on a need-to-know basis. But thankfully, he gives us first and foremost what we need, the gospel. But also he gives us words to lean on when our ability to think and comprehend things fully is impossible. Listen to Proverbs 24, 12. If you say, we did not know this, does he not consider it who weighs the hearts? And does he not know it who keeps your soul? And will he not render to man according to his work? And in Psalm 9, his breathed out words tell us in verse 8, he will judge the world in righteousness. He will execute judgment for the peoples with equity. Today, our culture is all abuzz about equity. 
Driving through Cal Stake, I saw a sign two days ago that was advertising on the freeway in lights, free transportation day, celebrating equity in transportation. A keynote speaker years ago at my college defined equity as sameness and went on to argue that since we are all the same, we must therefore view all peoples as the same, regardless of ability, intellect, achievement, or effort. That is a fairy tale. There's a difference between being the same and being treated the same. While God has made us all different, he treats us all accordingly, something man sadly will never achieve. God, however, will judge us the same, that is, accordingly and righteously. Romans 2.11 makes this so clear. There is no partiality with God. God is perfectly just. Just as John 3.16 makes clear that he offers all peoples and all nations salvation to those who accept his son as Lord and Savior in true faith, faith that is grounded in his words, not his signs and wonders. Perhaps no place in scripture makes this more crystal clear than John 20, 26 through 29. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And to Thomas, he said, put your fingers here. See my hands, put out your hand, place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. How fortunate Thomas was to be given such a sign that is so clear it could not be denied, resulting in arguably the most Christ-honoring line in all of Scripture, my Lord and my God. But how did Jesus respond? Because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are they that do not see and yet believed. Last Sunday, our pastor used two words to distinguish between believing the words of a witness, that being the woman at the well, and believing the words of God, Jesus. Those two words from our pastor were contribute and cause. Clearly, the woman at the well contributed to the belief of many Samaritans, but it was only his words, the word of God, that sealed the deal, caused lasting belief to be solidified. And if I'm reading scripture accurately, the same can be said about signs and wonders. While signs and wonders clearly glorify God and can point people toward God, it is the belief in his words that he commands of us. Clearly, true signs and wonders can contribute to belief, but only his words, only his words can cause true belief. Please read with me verses 49 through 50, continuing in our passage for today. The royal official said to him, 
Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, go, your son lives. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and started off. Recalling in verse 48, Jesus told the royal official, unless you people see signs and wonders, you simply will not believe. But then the man immediately replied with words that reflect what only Jesus can see in a man's heart, and that is belief in his words, not just his miracles. Sir, come down before my child dies. Again, Christ Remember from what we learned in John 2, 23 through 25, knows all men and what is in them. And therefore he knows if it is just the observation of signs that they have placed their initial belief in or the eternal truth and grace that only happens when the word of God communicates the word of God. Here, Christ not only hears the belief in the man's words, but also seeing into the man's heart and therefore responds accordingly. Go, your son lives. To which the royal official responded with both a testimony and example of what happens when a person truly hears the word of God. I'll give you a hint. The Samaritan woman did the same thing. Please, right now, take a moment to read for yourself John 4.28 and John 4.50. Please, everyone, look at your Bibles and read John 4.28 and John 4.50. Now I'll ask, what do you notice that is similar about how both the Samaritan woman and the royal official responded to hearing the words of Christ? the word of God. Both immediately reacted. They both actively responded to hearing him, his words. The woman left her water pot and went to share what Christ said to her with the men in her town. And with such urgency, she left her purpose for being there to begin with, her water pot. I'm embarrassed to acknowledge that it was not until our pastor a few weeks ago pointed this out. I had not seen or noticed the immediacy of her response highlighted to us prior to our pastor's sermon. I'm so thankful for our pastor's attention to detail, which most surely helped me to pick up the fact that the royal official responded to the word of God the exact same way. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and started off. These testimonies both testify to how powerful the words of Christ are to those who are blessed to hear his voice and exemplify for us what actively responding to his words in faith looks like. And these are not my words, but his. Listen to what Jesus says in John 10, 26 through 30. But you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. 
and I give eternal life to them and they will never perish and no one can snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one can snatch them out of the hand of the father. I and the father are one. My sheep hear my voice. That is the voice of God. And I know them. And they what? Follow me. And they what? Follow him. This is because when Jesus, the word of God speaks, if you truly believe he's God, you follow him. If not, not. Even the demons believe, but they don't follow him. On Thursday, I was blessed, convicted with even more clarity here. It's funny how God works and how often life's challenges can turn into what Chip Kettering, one of our elders, calls opportunities. Thursday morning, I was blessed to spend some unplanned time with my daughter, Savannah. The day before, a woman ran a stop sign and broadsided her. Thankfully, she and her passenger, another one of my daughters, Scarlett, are okay, but not the car. Anyway, on the way to the body shop, we got to talking about the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well, and her response to hearing the words of Christ, and how she was so moved she forgot her water pot. My critically thinking daughter, hungry for practical application and deeper understanding, and I both realized the importance of any true believer being able to identify in their life a water pot moment. That is a time where you knew that the truth of Christ and his words are indeed real to you. That you for yourself and no one else know that you were transformed into an ongoing work in progress because of real belief in God's words. Just like the woman at the well or the royal official who believed the word that Jesus spoke and started off. How can you relate to the woman at the well or the royal official? Can you identify a water water pot moment in your life? Might not be an instant, but, but, but just a time when you realized, wow, I'm a different person because of this and the work the Spirit is doing in my heart. Or a time when you started off in a new direction with life because of your belief in God's words. If you cannot identify this in your life. Will you pray about it? Because just like the royal official, if you are a true believer, you will be blessed to see confirmation of the truth of God's words in your life moving forward. Blessed with assurance, seeing the truth of God's words in your life. Please look with me at verses 51 through 54. As he was now going down, his slaves met him, saying that his son was living. So he inquired of them the hour 
when he began to get better. Then they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, his fever left. So the father knew that it was at the hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives. And he himself believed and his whole household. This again, a second sign that Jesus performed when he had come out of Judea into Galilee. We know from verse 50 that the royal official already had faith in the words of Jesus. But here we get to read about the blessing he experiences. That is seeing the truth of Christ's words play out in his life. Be further confirmed. At the same time Jesus told the man, go, your son lives, his son was healed. It also says that his household believed. Now, again, keeping in mind, there's a difference between contributing to belief and causing belief. We don't know the true spiritual condition of the family or the extent of each individual's belief, but it is very, it's a very convicting reminder of the importance of family worship and the responsibility of all fathers to be not just providers and protectors for their wife, children, but first and foremost, a priest at home. And Acts 16, 31 through 33 gives us a standard of direction for preaching in the household, stating, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him with all who were in his house. Here in Acts, we are told explicitly exactly how members of a household, individual family members are saved, believing in the Lord Jesus as a result of his words. Trusting in the words of the Lord. And why exactly can we trust the words of the Lord? Because everything he says will happen happens exactly how he says it will happen. It must, otherwise our faith is pointless. Every word of God must pass the truth test. Whatever he says will happen must happen. Or as Matthew 5.18 puts it, for truly I say to you, until heaven and earth have passed away, not the smallest letter or stroke or letter shall pass from the law until it is accomplished. And when we are blessed to see things in our life testify to the truth of, what he, of who he is and what he has said, we are continually blessed with assurance. Assurance that is always grounded in his words. Listen again to the words testifying of the royal official's blessed assurance. The father knew that it was at the hour in which Jesus said. With this considered, I choose to believe based on what I read here in God's words about the royal official that he not only celebrated the miraculous healing of his son with his household, but the truth in the words of the Lord who saved him. Just like the example of blessed assurance we are given in John 2, 18 through 21, when the Jews asked Jesus for a sign, listen to these words. The Jews then said to him, what sign do you show us 
as your authority for doing these things? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews said it took 46 years to build this temple and you will raise it up in three days? But he was not speaking, he was speak, not speaking about the temple, he was speaking of the temple of his body. So when he was raised from the dead, listen to this, his disciples remembered that he had said this and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had spoken. What Jesus says he will do, he does. And we can count on this because we have a perfect record in our hands of how it works. The assurance of his words blesses us to see his truth in action as it plays out in our lives, confirming our belief and continually strengthening our faith. It also gives us the ability to see truth in his signs that are all around us that many of the world deny, like the glory of his creation. Romans 1, 18 through 21 even addresses the suppression of truth, that is the denial of all that is so clearly evident for our eyes about God that can be seen through his eternal power and divine nature. But regardless, for even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give him thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. But those who listen and respond to his words are not blind, but blessed with assurance that provides a lens in which to see the truths of God's word revealed in scripture that help us to navigate this life as we anticipate the next, being blessed with eternal perspective and seeing the truth of God everywhere from a sunrise to witnessing him knitting life together in the womb via an ultrasound. And for this, Romans reminds us, we are always to be honoring God and thanking him for all that he does. This past Friday, February 2nd, I was reading Proverbs 2. Right now, I'd like everybody, please turn with me to Proverbs 2. Proverbs 2. Follow along as I read verses 1 through 6. Proverbs 2, 1 through 6. My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry out for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, listen to this, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. It always blows my mind how consistently connected everything in this book is. And can you think of a better reason to praise him and thank him, the word of God, for condescending to our level, communicating with us directly so that we can know him, the only way that we can know him, communication, and therefore always be assured by him. Having eternal confidence, knowing that true belief, responding to the words of Christ, 
results in blessed assurance. And we know this because the word of God tells us it's not signs and wonders, but only belief in his words produce real faith, resulting in the ongoing evidence, blessed assurance, as the truth of his words carry us through this life and prepare us for eternity with him. On May 7th, 2014, Frontiers in Psychology published a scholarly journal article entitled, The Mystery of Language Evolution. The most esteemed evolutionist in the world, including linguists, biologists, anthropologists, and computer scientists, announced they were giving up on answering the question of where speech, language, came from and how it works. The greatest minds on the planet cannot explain why we can even speak. Not only does this poke a massive hole in the credibility of evolution, which, to be true, must explain every aspect of life, it must also remind anyone familiar with the first page of the Bible, speech is the attribute God used to create the world. And in creating us in his image, he shared us with this, the most powerful and practical attribute we as humans are graced with so that he could communicate with us and give us domain, dominion over his creation for his glory and ultimately so that we could hear and share his gospel. Can you think of a more amazing miracle than speech? Let's bow our heads. Lord God, this morning in Faith Builders, Sunday School for Adults, we were blessed to celebrate two hymns, New Life in Christ and New Every Morning is His Love. I, I couldn't help but link this directly to the truth of blessed assurance. Lord God, I pray this for everyone in the room. And as always, Lord, we pray that if there is anyone present here today who is yet to turn to you in faith, believe and respond to your calling from your breathed out words and the conviction of your spirit, they would do so even now. It is in your name alone we must be saved.